Welcome to the Heroic Minds Podcast, where we uncover the heroic stories of individuals battling through adversity and rising to the top of professional sport, business, and life. Uncovering the characteristics, the secrets, the tactics to become the hero of your own story. Because it is adversity that maximizes human potential. Welcome back to the Heroic Minds podcast. On today's episode, we have a familiar face back on the show, Ian Bigford, who, as we know in the past, philosophy major, finishing up his MBA, had a consulting business in Australia, which is a story in itself that maybe might come up on this podcast one day. But he's been helping me with this whole journey with Heroic Minds and has the same goals and dreams in building this thing up to continue to get these stories out there and continue to empower people. And the emails are picking up and everything's going in such an exciting direction that we figured, you know what, let's have another chat on the podcast. And and I want people to hear Ian speak because he's so insightful and he's, it's the, the philosophy he learned in school is just uh, you know, a spot on the map compared to what he learns on his own every day because of his passion for philosophy and, and human development. So in this episode, it's that's the main topic is, and I won't give away too much, but the main idea is that we have the ability to control our attitude. And when we put forth our best approach to different things, that's when things just seem better, seem to go better. And one of the examples that comes up in the episode is a rainy day or a cold day. We have the ability to control our attitude in this situation, which in turn is going to affect how we perceive things, how we perceive things in our life, how we continue to have energy or we don't have energy. You know, if you approach that rainy day with, oh, this is terrible, I can't do anything, you're probably not going to have as much energy. Your output then won't be as valuable and the snowball effect continues. I split this episode into two parts. One, because I've seen other podcasts do it and it seems like a cool idea. I've heard it's a cool thing to do. So testing that out. The other reason is because the first part is dialogue. We're just chatting about this exact topic that I just opened with. And then the part two is a poem that I believe can benefit anyone. And I I truly mean that. And the reason I'm sharing the, the poem is because Ian has started a project on the Heroic Minds website called the Mind Manual. And I encourage you to check it out. I put a link to it in the description of this episode. It's basically him breaking down and simplifying these high level uh, philosophy, neuroscience ideas and putting them into simple digestible format. And it's really empowering. They're all written in an empowering way for you to improve in various ways. So it's the Mind Manual. That's why Ian's on today. We're talking all things that he's talked about in that Mind Manual blog space so far, which has been a ton of cool ideas. So I hope you enjoy this. A couple of things before we get going here. One, keep the emails coming. I truly appreciate that sharing your story, opening up, constructive criticisms. I love it. If you disagree with a topic, even on this podcast, I encourage the response. I think those are the conversations we need to have, again, that we usually avoid. So if you disagree or you want to take a conversation further, send me an email. The other thing is, if you are enjoying these episodes, as things continue to move in the right direction, if you want to leave a positive review on the platform in which you listen to this podcast, I encourage that as well. Also in the description of this episode, a link to purchase Heroic Minds shirts for pre-order. So those will be shipped out December 15th. So if you want to order a shirt, black shirt, white logo, men's and women's polyester and cotton, check out the link attached to this episode. And those will be shipped out again on December 15th. Lastly, and most important, check out truelocal.ca. 
high quality meat individually packaged shipped to your doorstep and and beyond the meat i think you can tell on social media and the way they treat me and they've treated people that have used the discount code and ordered their meat it's they it feels like such a it doesn't even feel like a business uh, relationship it just feels like a friendship you know they put handwritten letters in your in your box they their their customer service is incredible they're open to new ideas I've even reached out about different meats they could provide with potential different local farmers that I even know and tried to connect them with them and they said yeah and now they're connected with these other local farmers so they're they're very innovative and they're a great company and their product is above and beyond it's incredible the meat I'm telling you like I've always said, you, you won't go back to the regular meats that you've had. They go out and handpick these high quality meats and individually package them and it shows up at your doorstep. It's awesome. Check them out and use my discount code HeroicMinds25, all capital letters, to get $25 off a regular size box and $10 off an individual size box. Alrighty, here we go. So we're actually more as humans likely to use emotional thought versus rational that's just a, a default that we have and i thought that was a cool cool idea yeah um there's a book definitely worth checking out for anybody who wants to read more deeply into it um it was a, a new york times bestseller and it was written by a guy who won a nobel prize in behavioral economics um which I mean, they don't give out Nobel Prizes very often, so it's certainly impressive. Um, and and it's called Thinking Fast and Slow. Um, and it's it, there's a lot in that book, but generally speaking, that that concept um, that he's pointing out is, seems to be true about the human mind, um, which is that we have the ability to think fast and we have the ability to think slow. And when we're thinking fast, it's an evolved process for our brain to quickly make decisions. Um, that are for our benefit typically speaking in a sort of evolutionary sense uh, our thinking slow faculties are very inefficient um, but they're also our most powerful so when you think about thinking slow um, those are the processes where you're trying to solve a complex math problem or you're trying to make a decision about uh, ambiguous um, outcome like i don't know like should i make this investment or not um and, and things along that line it's the careful slow logical deliberation and we all know that that's exhausting for anybody who's had to say write a really long complex test or something it's it's uh um it's it's that faculty and it uses up a lot of the brain's resources uh, with thinking fast though is very efficient um so it takes no time it takes no energy and your brain can make a lot of decisions a lot faster um it is what is responsible for the gut feeling so the the, the part of our brain that's able to think fast is able to also take in a lot more information and focus on a lot more at once um if you ever feel like awkwardness in a situation or that maybe somebody isn't having a great time at a party that feeling comes from thinking fast because your brain's taking in all sorts of information that, that doesn't consciously register to give you an emotional sense for what needs to happen so when you're thinking fast the information gets delivered in a um, emotional way uh, whether it be through physiological drives like hunger um, or whether it be um, sort of social like oh I should go say something to that person or oh, I should apologize for this all of that is thinking fast the point he makes in the book is that when we're thinking fast though um, by definition our perceptions have simplified the environment to to basically pursue a particular goal and we and that goal isn't registered so for instance you might not articulate that 
you know, your goal in the morning is to remain comfortable. It, it just feels emotionally like you don't want to get out of bed, but your, your brain is, has given you that goal. And it's kind of that, we know that battle to get up in the morning early or whatever. It's that, that's what's happening is that your thinking slow brain knows that logically planning for the future, uh, you need to get up early so you can get to work or get your workout in before you do your day, but your your thinking fast brain is far more um, uh, short-term gratification oriented, and it'll it'll align your emotions along that way of thinking. So that's kind of the basic concept. And so then the issue that comes with that concept today is it that the tasks today are so much more complex than they used to be, and that is when our brain became the way it is today so it's our almost functioning in a sense of those quick decisions that we're not carefully deliberating is that one of the issues so i mean i think i think i know where you're going i think you're kind of going to get into the fact that we're so distracted stimulated um and and that seems to have an effect on our ability to focus pay attention and deliberate carefully um and actually you know we can talk about meditation in a bit too um it's almost become a cliche at this point everybody talks about it so much but yeah i mean so there's no doubt the world's extremely complex now um it, we're, we've, we're so far removed from physical work uh typically speaking not all of us but you know um there was a time where that was pretty much the only kind of work you could get whether it was be like you know laying rail tracks or building you know buildings in a city things like that being a, a tradesperson or whatever um but now it's it's very abstract and furthermore the landscape has become so so complex like i mean um now we have the awareness and the you know uh, really you have to start to think so much in the future and the thinking fast brain cannot do that very well it's a thinking slow brain that says um, oh, we keep on hanging out at, at, in this one spot. Maybe we should build a roof and maybe we should build a fire because that would mean that in two hours when it gets cold, we're going to be warm. Um, it's the thinking slow brain that's responsible for pretty much everything that we would classify as smart decisions. And then the thinking fast brain is the one that's kind of, you know, it fools us a lot because we don't really have much control over it. And in the blog post, I go into a bit of a brief evolutionary history of why that's the case. It's quite simply because um, we were we spent a lot more time as other creatures than we did as, as human beings. So um, obviously the one thing that distinguishes us from other creatures is that we can think and deliberate um, and we're very intelligent, but we spent more time as monkeys and, and crustaceans and other things like that. And so um, those creatures need nervous systems that are going to self-preserve uh, self beyond uh, anything else. And so it's constantly scanning for, oh, where can I get more food? Oh, like, you know, do I have a social threat? Is there a existential threat for another creature? Do I have the fight or fight flight systems programmed pop properly so that when there's a threat, I can respond faster than I can think? All those things so then the i'm getting or starting to figure out that the more we can think slow and maybe is that is that a really a conscious decision even i wonder can we decide oh i'm going to think slower on this one like yes we find times where it's like okay i gotta put some more thought into this is that uh is that something we can consciously do or can we just practice 
thinking slower and and again maybe it's the meditation concept that then we just naturally utilize in certain situations because i i i would almost put this you know i like to compare things to sport but it's the game of hockey happens so fast and it's the individual that's calm enough to wait that extra half second that can make that pass and people would be like wow look at the poise or composure on that on that player that's why he or she is at the level they're at because the game's so fast but those that can be composed as opposed to the one that thinks fast and moves the puck to for that short-term gain of maybe avoiding a check versus the individual that waits that extra half second maybe has to take a hit but makes a better play i i don't know that's what i kind of is it so is it a point where we want to be able to think slower more often and so yeah i mean it seems that so one of the things that characterizes intelligence is actually a, a great ability to focus on things for a long period of time and that is by definition thinking slow um you know there we all know that we can our, our our attention can be pulled emotionally but we can direct it also consciously and in the post that i wrote I, it's it's called the executive control uh, of uh, a function of the mind and you can think of a little um in your rational brain your thinking slow brain there's like a little you know executive there kind of that's able to um snap things into alignment in terms of your emotions and and all your drives there you do have the conscious ability to calm the rest of your mind so that you can focus on what's ahead of you but sort of in the way that you experience that it's often through calming down slowing down stepping off the line so to speak where everybody's got their head in the in the in the game and they're being carried away by the momentum of things and um you know everybody losing their mind it's the person that can slow down step off the line and and have a look and say oh, okay so here's what's actually going on and think about it um you know they talk about that in the military too where you know it's the guy that can step off the firing line and look around that can that can make the smart choices as to how they should maneuver next like next so um yeah no definitely like if we could all be you know perfectly focused at all times and, and doing calculations on everything all the time then that would be great the problem with the thinking slow brain is that it's very uh inefficient as i mentioned which means that it it it, it can't observe as much information so the, the thing about the thinking slow brain is is you have to have you have to give it a clear clearly defined intention and that gets into goal setting really quick um because because you 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 don't know what you don't know and because you don't know the future and necessarily what is going to be relevant for the future you have to be very clear on what you're trying to do when you're thinking um, and when you sit sit down to intentionally do something you have to be very clear about it because otherwise you'll lose focus so let's get into the goal setting then so basically the the value of having a goal isn't necessarily you need to visualize it and have it on the wall it's so that the decisions you make and then give you or sorry, your decisions are then affected by what will bring me closer to that goal. When should I think fast? When should I think slow? When should I move faster? When? That's why you need that goal. And if you don't have a clearly defined goal, mm-hmm. especially, mm-hmm. like clearly defined, this is how I need to get there, going back to a topic that comes up a lot on this podcast, is you also have to know exactly where you are and accept the situation you're in right. and know that goal. So you really need, the middle will figure itself out. I'm almost visualizing this in my mind. But that, that beginning point and that end point has to be super clearly defined and understood yeah it does it, it needs to be defined and understood it has to actually uh incur uh, a, you actually have to believe that you want the benefit of that goal like you have to 
Yeah, visualization is an interesting thing because it's basically voluntary fantasy. Um, it's imagining how great it would actually be to have something, and then and then from there you create your plan as to what behaviors it might take to 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 get to that place. Um, in terms of how that works with your your mind, I just want to make the one point that we act out all sorts of goals that we don't know we have. That's kind of the the way the thinking fast brain works. Is um, you know when you decide it's time to go for a meal that's you acting out a micro goal that your your thinking fast brain is served up to you on a platter saying uh, you know emotionally you're like feeling hunger maybe you have some hunger pangs you know we know how long humans can go without food you don't need that for survival but it's to sort of just keep you going right it's mm -hmm. it's a it's a goal that May, might be habituated you know but but certainly humans can go about two to three weeks without food um before they starve to death and that's if they're starting at a pretty lean weight to begin with so so you think about this and 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 think about the thinking slow brain and the deliberate goals we want to make whether it's okay i'm going to i'm going to eat out once every two months instead of once every month or once every week or whatever um because if i do that then i'll have enough cash to make an investment that'll then you know propagate over time and and lead to a, a long-term benefit i'm after um to do that you have to you have to really have a good nest of reasons around and also a good nest of fantasies around why that goal um is way more beneficial than what you're acting out so then that it feels like what you're saying would keep someone motivated on their task toward that goal because it, yeah like i could see how you have that end goal and for the first two i mean we all i think i want to say we all and that's a terrible thing to say because you don't put everyone under the same umbrella but i'd say many people for the first it's like the first day of school I remember every, I think from grade four to grade eight, you get your new pens, your new notebooks. You're like, this is the year. I'm going to raise all my marks by 10%. I'm going to be so good. Even in high school, For university, sure. start September, you're going to be the smartest kid in class and you're going to turn the leaf. You're going to do all your homework. And then you get to October and it's like, oh, I'll finish that assignment later. Oh, I'll do half my homework. So it's almost the idea of having that clear defined goal, having clear defined reasons and understanding of why you want that goal that you have to also understand to then keep that motivation going beyond just September in school. Yeah, and I think the motivation's different, right? Um, you have to kind of, a good way to think about it is it's the difference between candy and like good real food. It's like candy is delicious in the short term, but in the long term you feel terrible if you have a ton of it. Um, but good food will make you feel good for an extended period of time. It's kind of like th that, that's the problem with, with how we conceive motivation is we always think it's, it's that feeling you have after you watched a motivational video and you're just so fired up. That's not what motivation's like for long-term goals. It's, it's way quieter, way more subtle in your experience of it. It's it, because it's, a, it's actually a different brain chemical. It's not dopamine driven, it's serotonin driven. And so it's driven by this sense of progress, this sense of, um, kind of thinking that, that, Hey, you know, I'm actually, I set out a plan, I'm doing the plan and it's working. Uh, that gives just sort of a quiet, um, contentness fulfillment that you're, that you're going about this in the right way. And you've mapped reality well enough to know that your what, what plan would work and you're acting out the behaviors necessary for that goal. But it's a very subtle thing. I think it's, we got to watch the uh, the sort of when we talk about these things i think a lot of people f 
think that they should feel motivated every day when they show up to do their thing. And it's like, we know that that's not true. I mean, you know, you know NHL players, it's like there were days where, you know, they're, they're, they know they're going to show up at the rink and they're going to do that same stupid little drill in the corner because they need to work on that because it's their biggest weakness. And if only they can tie that up, then their whole game's going to come together in a different way, maybe take them to the next level. But they're so sick of dealing with this problem, right? And so, so is that motivation? Or is that discipline or what's the right word there? And that's where, you know, I think we're going to get into the issue with thinking about bringing yourself into it too much and instead just focusing on the behaviors that'll lead to where you want to go. Right. Um, right. And we can talk about that. Yeah. That Well, to get to start getting into that, I guess, is I mean, I found that serotonin point interesting because it really it can give someone reason when they don't feel motivated that if I do the things I don't want to have to do, maybe right now, like I want that, that arrow bar instead of the um, healthy salad. bar that tastes, or the salad, yeah. or that doesn't taste yeah. as good. Knowing deep down that there's actually going to be a scientific, you know, there's there's proof to this that, yeah, right now it's going to, but tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. when I'm going for my morning run, I'm going to be running on that healthy bar that's giving me more efficient fuel than mm -hmm. those sugars that are slowing me down, right? Like the, to realize, that's and that's tough in the moment, but if you can remind yourself that on a scientific level, there's going to be a release of something tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. that's going to give me my payoff. Like that's pretty powerful stuff yeah yeah and i mean you know there's incredible people are able to do incredible things we know that from just some of the history and wars and and, and terrible conflict that has created many heroic stories in the past um people can can put up with having very little feedback like positive feedback in the pursuance of their goal like it's we know that people need such little hope to keep going um and it's important to know that you're not you know a dog you don't need a reward at every every turn um but there but but what we're kind of talking about when we talk about the difference between serotonin and dopamine is we're talking about the experience of serotonin is so subtle and so quiet that like it it, it it's you're, you, by definition, are not no longer going for the incentive reward high. It's like, okay, I did this thing and then I get paid, or I did this thing, I get the reward. Like, here we go. It's not, it's not so high and low. It's way more steady, and it's, it's the same case with your emotions in relation to your goal. It's like, we all know when we're trying to create a new habit, this that. Okay, first three days, you've got the dopamine, dopaminergic motivation where we're like, we got some vigor, um, but maybe end of day three, we don't get as much sleep, we don't eat the way we should, we kind of, you know, screw off a little bit, and then um, by day four, you're like, okay, I'm, I, you know, I'm not doing this thing, I'm not, I'm not quitting caffeine or whatever it is, right? Like, I, I I'm gonna, uh, you know veto my goal for for short-term benefit and and that whole idea is uh, of the serotonin is like okay once you get past that now the the high of like i'm doing this thing's going to drop off so what's left within you to 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 push forward what's is it really a spiritual thing or do you just have to continue to repeat the behaviors and and i would argue it's the latter I'd argue it's it's a repetition of behaviors. It's 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 about removing the ego from the picture and, and saying, look, your goals are literally just a function of how you act. It's not a function of how you feel inside necessarily. Um, it's not that we want to completely ignore the inner experience, but it, it is the idea that we can get in our way. We can make we can make a simple act like getting out of bed such a bigger problem than it is. 
when really we, we know exactly all it is. It's okay, you're laying down, you come awake, whether it be from your alarm clock or otherwise, and all you have to do is stand up. That's it, you just have to you know turn over and stand up. That's, that's mechanistically the behavior you're looking for. But so often people get into the sort of mind space where it's like this, this spiritual battle within their own being and it's like, okay, I, I, need to, I need to get the discipline and the fortitude and the character and I need to be that person that says, I will do that thing that nobody else will do today. And that's like triggering that dopamine, like I need to feel motivated to do my goals. When my experience has been actually trying to enact a habit or um, you know, change something about yourself, it's, it's looking at the mechanisms, like the mechanistic behavior that you wanna you know, have on yourself. And so what I've kind of come to the conclusion about is that, let's say you want to be more disciplined and you want to get up early in the, earlier in the morning. There is no such thing as disciplined people, just people with disciplined behaviors. It's, it's a totally different point because when I say there's no such thing as disciplined people, that's me saying there's no such thing as that identity. There's just people that, that have more disciplined behaviors across their life than you. We then infer that that means they're a whole identity is disciplined, but of course we know um, the person that's that's really disciplined at say work might not be that disciplined at their diet. You know, the, nobody's a disciplined person. What does that mean? That means that they're disciplined in every single corner of their life, and that's right. You know, who's who's there? I can't say that I am right. So, so th so that's kind of the point. Is that it's it's about the behaviors, and it's about just just getting out of your own mental way and just saying, okay, what's the behavior that that needs to happen here? It's a very detached look at things, but at the end of the day, if you have goals, a, that's the that's the way that you kind of calm down the internal noise to, to allow yourself to get out of your way to allow yourself to face the actual adversity that's exterior to yourself. Because if, if the noise inside is like 80% and it takes up 80% of your capacity, then you only have like 20% to work with to actually deal with problems ex outside of yourself. Uh, the goal is to, to turn down the internal noise so you have all of your uh, capabilities and capacities available to deal with the world. And then you'll make better decisions and, and, and do better. So like that's easy, that's, seems easier said than done but i've also never heard it worded that way so if we we use that example of it's six in the morning alarm goes off it's minus 30 outside for our listeners that are in the the cold climate that we're just <laughs> yeah. heading into now or it's a doing something at work that you don't want to have to do or you went to the photocopier that's on the floor below you you came up you forgot two sheets oh i'll grab them after work if they're still there kind of thing but realizing i should go grab them right now mm -hmm. even though i'm gassed i missed lunch that mental is there a mental process or a plan in place that would be an efficient way for people to start applying this to their life like what would that look like yeah so this is where okay anybody who's tried or read stoicism or buddhism or meditated um I, I, at least the people that have tried to do it somewhat deeply and, and apply it across their life um most of them, I have to say like nine out of 10 of them have run into the same issue of like, when you try to be so stoic, so calm, so indifferent and so calculated, you start to lose the sense of um, sufficient meaning, sufficient excitement, sufficient drive for what you're doing. Um, and there's a pragmatic philosopher called William James. He's an American, uh, he, he was an American philosopher and he founded this, the philosophical school of thought of pragmatism. And 
I think he he talked about the additional component here, which is actually the 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 the, the starter, the the component that gets all of these behaviors in line, and that's attitude. It's so you have your behaviors, you have your goals, you know what you want to do, but we all know that experience of like, okay, I know I should do that, I still feel like it. Um, William James, when he first started writing about it, he's one of the first to actually write about um, positive thinking. Um, and that whole concept has just been completely twisted by, you know, self-help gurus and, and things like that over the ages. And so a lot of people throw out the baby with the bathwater. But the way he wrote about it was definitely not, you know, um, naively optimistic. He just noticed, and this is the exact quote he used, was that some people seem to come out of the womb with two bottles of champagne to their credit, while others seem to come out of the womb abundantly aware of the evil of the world. And he, his, the, the claim that he made was that the people who were on the bright side of that equation, whatever that is, um, seemed to live better lives. More, they, they realized more of their potential. They made better social relationships. They achieved more of their goals. And the people on the other side of the equation, um, they, they didn't suffer. Like the, So he actually said that they had a better understanding of the reality of the world, but that they, they didn't realize their p- potential as much. They didn't go for things. They had worse relationships. And so he started developing this philosophy of what he called healthy mindedness and it's this whole idea of the attitude is the thing that is the cause for the inertia towards action because the the example of waking up in the morning is a question of how do you just get started we know with projects with work with workouts um the hardest thing to do is to get started but once you're in the flow of it it just kind of starts going so then the question becomes what is that forcing function that gets the inertia the the initial motion uh going and for for james that was attitude and i tend to agree with him actually and so he characterized attitude as kind of being like well what an attitude is technically speaking is you pay attention to, to certain things um and not other things it's a simplification of the world and it's a conscious one that chooses to focus on this and not that. And so for him, for the healthy-minded individual, they focused on the good in things. So that was the good in, in that was, so that's concepts like gratitude. Like I'm so lucky to, you know, you can reduce this down to really simple levels that actually Viktor Frankl, when he was in Auschwitz did, um, he tried to feel gratitude for breath for being alive even though he was in the worst nazi concentration camp during the second world war he still um endeavored to have gratitude and for him he thanked god for um life and for being alive and and then he you know said help me get through right (laughs) the horrible situation but for 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 james what he was what he noticed was that yeah so 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 having a good attitude just like let that kind of seed plant itself having a good attitude towards things well you know kind of think about what that would look like if i woke up in the morning and i had a good attitude towards my job i had a good attitude towards my workouts and my goals um 
what kind of things would I say to myself? It's like, okay, well, like, hey, if I get up this morning, I can I can go and uh, work out and that's going to make me stronger and that's going to make me achieve whatever physical goals I have. And hey, if I show up with a smile on my face and I have a can-do attitude at work, that my team's going to, you know, rely on me and I'm going to get more responsibility and maybe, you know, that'll lead to more prosperity for myself and my team in the future and, and that'll be great, you know. Um, but it's about having that good attitude to begin with. It's like a good attitude towards things and then a good attitude towards people right so we, we you also see this sometimes where it's like uh, you, you, we kind of write people off sometimes as uh, you know oh this guy's okay that's an attitude that you choose to have you don't have to choose that attitude um you could say hey you know this person goes through lots of stuff just like i do um their moods go up and down like mine does but you know generally speaking this you know i, I kind of have a um positive regard for people like it's a helpful way to think. And so I really think that that this sort of attitude of like endeavoring to look at things through a standpoint of like joy, we, um, endeavoring to look through the standpoint of, you know, what's good about things uh, will lead to you actually being excited and, and somewhat have that serotonin experience of like, hey, I'm progressing. If I get up and I just do this thing, I'm moving towards my goal. It's not like that candy dopamine hit, like I'm gonna, you know, whatever. It's not that short-term motivation. It's like, I'm taking a good attitude towards my lot in life and I'm gonna make it better because of that good attitude. And is that attitude reinforced or furthered by that clear goal that we talked about like really is it is it easier to get to that gratifying feeling or or enjoying that serotonin release that you do get probably two or three days after you've actually done the task that benefit is is that easy to get to or easier sorry to get to when you have that clear defined goal yes this is the oh, i mean maybe we should have started with attitude to be honest but it, it, it for james and i agree with him it, it, once you have the healthy minded attitude the good attitude towards life um then your goals start to get painted for you because now you you have the joy, the zest in life. You're you know another way to describe it is people are high on life. Now they start to look at their life and say, what would be awesome? What would be better? What would be fun? What would be exciting? What would be good for the long term? Right? And and then they start to actually paint long term goals that require delayed gratification out of that attitude. It's it's because the attitude again is taking your perceptions, weaning them down to the the best possible part of your experience, and then that helps change how you respond to everything in your environment. It's not so so where the positive thinkers of today get it wrong. This is just an, an aside, but it's kind of funny. Is they say the positive attitude is going to change things. It's not going to change things. It's going to change how you respond to things. And that's a really important difference because um, that's all you can control is how you respond to what happens. And so, you know, there are, there are some people that, that experience adversity and they completely crumble because, you know, they they don't make the voluntary conscious choice to have a good attitude. And that's what it is. It's never the default. You have to realize it's a choice to, to see the best in things. And it takes sort of a little bit of spiritual fortitude to do that because sometimes things get really bad and See, a lot of people would think i feel like a lot of people would think well that's just their attitude or that's just my attitude right. towards things and then they brush it off and it just be either grows as an issue or stays in there in the back of their minds as an issue they yeah. have that they're not willing to 
to deal with. And I, I'm not going to get into this point, but it's almost, it's similar to, I would think, the idea that, and things we've discussed on this podcast with Wally and Barack about uh, minorities and how they're treated and just entertaining, you know, those ideas in your mind that are pushed to the back. Mm-hmm. They still stay there as issues. They're not benefiting you to have these, these, and I'll put quote unquote, default negative assumptions towards minorities because you don't understand them or haven't taken the time to. Right. You could relate that to issues as well. I'm in sport. We'll go back to that example. I'm not good at having the you know the puck in the corner there so i'm just going to avoid it or if it happens uh, whatever i'll just apologize if it doesn't work out mm-hmm. like having those natural defaults people brush it off as well oh, that's just me i can't change that yeah and this makes me realize yes we can and it yeah is it going to be a challenge and is it going to suck yeah it might but it is a choice and when you continue to make that choice yeah james james's observation about this he, he actually did write about this point um oddly enough which was that um he, he likened it to when you're like a baby and you first learn that you can move your own hand then it stops becoming such a mystery that you can do that for 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 james he actually thought that for attitude we don't default know that we can change it until we kind of realize that we can like just just make the decision to hey you know i'm going to focus on what's good i'm going to focus on uh uh trying to have some joy and try to optimize towards some positivity here and some optimism and you know and that's not about good situations like oh i only focus on the positive it's like no uh this this problem's uh, affecting us awesome we have this opportunity to show everybody that we can solve it and we absolutely can solve it it's it's in that way it's 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 sort of toting the line of like of like naivety but also that naivety enables you to to you know get knocked down and stand back up over and over and over again because you're just willing to just keep going whereas the pessimist is the one that's always looking for the perfect perfect opportunity and they're too careful and they're because they're because they're realists and they know um how bad the world is and they know how unlikely success is and so they're only gonna step up to the plate when they when they think they're gonna get you know the, the ideal pitch, outcome yes right exactly. and so so there's there's a real practical subtlety there about the optimist who's just willing to no matter what just step up to the plate even if even if they know like the chances are coming yeah exactly yeah they don't know what's going to be pitched their way but it's the optimism and it's the joy and it's the the love of things and the love of people that keep them like you know hey you know we can really make something great here right and so that keeps them going and so for for james he really thought that you know once you realize your your ability to control your attitude and just focus on a good attitude no matter external circumstances then he thought your goals started to become clearer uh and they started to feel better they started to feel real um you know when you're nihil like sort of people have nihilistic attitudes about where they're going in life it's there they, they can set goals and write them down and and it might actually look pretty good for them and then you're just like but but it doesn't feel real for them it doesn't feel like it really make a difference because for james he thought that this was because the core issue was the sick soul we called it um which was the opposite of the healthy-minded attitude he thought you know that was the thing that they were really trying to solve for but they hadn't realized their own like capability of changing their attitudes right that's what it is and so to bring a little bit full circle to the behavior you know mechanistic look at your goals 
Um, it's once you have the good attitude and then that paints the goals for the long-term gratification goals that then you can say, hey, look, I have this joy in life. I have this zest for life. I'm excited for uh, what could happen if I do these behaviors, if I do these disciplined behaviors or do these hard things. Um, I'm excited to see what, what happens. And, um, you know, I, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, we're here in the sort of in the Toronto area and we had some snow this past week and it was kind of interesting. You know, I, you can play with your mind sometimes and just see what what happens. I, I realized that we um, when the snow first falls, everybody kind of gets that wince on their face when they're out walking on the street. You know, um, they're kind of they're, they're they're trying to avoid the puddles and fair enough. And, and the snow is kind of blowing in their face and it's, it's somewhat unpleasant because you haven't you just came off a of summer as far as Canadians are concerned and it was beautiful out just a couple weeks ago and so what i realized though is that you know what is the oldest wincing in like discomfort i realized like in my experience of trying to choose my attitude what would what would it look like if i took a good attitude towards this weather like we we kind of get it sort of beaten into us that rain is bad in western society and like oh i don't want to get wet or i don't want to get cold or i don't want to catch a cold or i don't want to freeze my my hands off or whatever but it was kind of like well what would a good attitude look like towards the snow right now like what if i behave the same way that i did when it's 35 and sunny out right and so i i, I kind of just decided to take that posture and think oh you know what the snow kind of looks really lovely and it's kind of beautiful out and it's a change in seasons and it's natural and then the wind on my face and the and i was kind of underdressed too and i didn't have any gloves on and so you know you kind of stop losing feeling in your hands and i kind of because i had that attitude i kind of was just like oh it's a change in feeling in my hand but i didn't immediately jump to the conclusion that that was such a bad thing i you know i knew i wasn't going to get frostbite or something it wasn't going to be catastrophic so why do i care it's like i'm out here and i spend all day in like an office you know this is great i feel like it's almost it sounds like i know that experience 100 percent, and i feel like you're almost are observing things without judging them as much as we would if we're in that in that opposite or we will say default kind of approach is that now you're internalizing it and all oh, my hands are cold which means this will happen and this will happen and that wasn't how your thoughts were in that moment because you approached it a different way. So it was just observing, okay, yeah, my hands feel different than they did 10 minutes ago. Probably should have worn gloves. Let's just keep walking. This is beautiful. Right. And now it's not internalized and it doesn't negatively affect you as much as it could have. Is it still unfortunate? Yeah. But you've just, it's not as unfortunate as it could have been. It's not even clear that it's unfortunate. That's that's kind of my point is that like when you're kind of like, oh, I got to drag myself to work and I got to walk outside, it's snowing out. Like you start with that attitude and now how much do you feel that suffering of the coldness of your hands? It's horrible, right? Whereas like having a good attitude towards what you're doing and where you're going and the fact you're able to be outside and all the rest. Um, you know, you often hear when they talk about meditation, it's, it's non-judgmental observance of your, you know, whatever circumstances. And I think that's great. But I think that that is still not the sort of head of the stream. Because that would still I be affected by those outside of this attitudes. is negative, this is positive, this is negative. Exactly. Right, right, right. It's still your attitudes. They're not talking about your attitude. They're just talking about like, okay, observe your thoughts on John judgmentally. It's like, I don't think you can choose to do that if you have a bad attitude. And it's also, I would say, if someone said, they say, put yourself in a, imagine yourself, you know, on a field. And of right. course, you're going to feel great on the field in right. sun imagine yourself in a sunny day right imagine they said okay i want you to meditate and find joy and then close your eyes and think if you're in the middle of a snowstorm because your car broke down yeah. and you don't have gloves now find calm yeah. that's almost a 
maybe a, that's an interesting practice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's what that's so. So James considered himself a philosopher and a psychologist, and he actually saw some patients and stuff like that. He he had an MD from Harvard, so he was technically a doctor, but he he wasn't a very good student. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, he uh, yeah he saw patients and stuff, and he he started to use this attitude-based psychology to help people out of ruts where it was like, okay, here we have a able-bodied young man who just seems to fall into alcoholism and not show up for work on time and not be there for his family and it's like he's got the physical faculties to do all that but his mind is kind of messed up and and for james he was like it's his attitude and you know obviously we don't want to say depression anxiety all these things are completely driven by attitude they're multivariate problems but for for a lot of us i think where we're maybe not in the range of like clinical anxiety or depression but we could do, we know we could do better but just there are so many times where we just know what we should do we just don't feel like doing it i think this could be a useful philosophy for those instances that brings us to the end of part one of this podcast so i encourage you to check out part two where we break down if by rudyard kipling a poem that can benefit anyone i truly believe that ian and i break it down line by line and give examples of how you can apply these ideas to your own life thanks for listening we'll talk again soon